You're tuned into the Velo News Interviews Podcast. I'm Fred Dreyer, here with Spencer Paulison. Spencer, Katie Compton has been in our lives for a while now, going on more than a decade. Yeah, she's 13-time national cyclocross champion, and that's 13 times in a row. Yeah, she's probably the, she's hands down, the most accomplished cyclocross racer man or woman, in the history of American cyclocross. Easily. And you sat down with her the other week at the Derby City Cup race. Uh, what was that like? Take yeah, me through the that's interview. Right. That's right. I, uh, I tracked her down in the uh, cheapo $15 parking lot they had there, sat on her truck's uh, tailgate for a little while, so there might be a little ambient car noise in the mm. background. Apologies for that, but it just gives you some ambiance, that's all. And uh, just talk to her about a, a whole range of things. She's actually based in Europe this year, racing cross for the first time in her career, which is kind of weird to me because that's that's the thing that top American cross racers like to do, right? They like to go over there and post up in Belgium or somewhere and do all the big races, but this is the first time for her. Yeah, you know, Jonathan Page used to do that uh, a decade ago, but I, th that struck me as strange because I had always assumed that Katie had had a few seasons where she based herself over in Europe full time, but no, this no, is the no. first one. Made a lot of trips over, you know, over the years and of course, struggled with different ailments related to that sort of back and forth travel and everything, but... Uh, she's feeling healthy. She's riding really well. So uh, I'd say look for her to get a big result in Europe here in the next month or so. And uh, I think she's on track to be a 14-time national champion. So uh, yeah, let's have a listen. Katie Compton, welcome to the Velo News podcast. Thank you. Good to be here. We are recording this from Louisville, Kentucky. Louisville? Louisville. Like That's pretty good. You've got like marbles in your mouth. Louisville. You've raced here often <laughs> enough that you know how to pronounce the name correctly. I do, because I have friends who live here, and they tell me how to pronounce it. I still struggle, because Colorado is Louisville, yeah. and then here it's Louisville. I'm like, okay, got to differentiate the two. That's right. That's yes. right. So yes. I'm not entirely sure when we are going to put up this podcast. Okay. We're going to talk generally about cross today, but uh, Katie just came off of a convincing win <laughs> on Saturday here in the U.S. Cup CX Derby City, the final race of that series. Seemed like um, seemed like you were just riding a high off of a second place finish in Koppenberg on Wednesday, just a few days ago. Yeah, and Koppenberg was really hard. I think it's probably one of the hardest cross races I've ever done. Um, the Koppenberg is tough. Sprinting up it six times is tough. But honestly, the other the rest of the course, um, it was a heavy grassy course. It was a bumpy course. Um, the TV didn't quite do the hills justice because it was a lot more uphill than it looked. When I was watching online with Mark, I was like, yeah, and that's uphill, and that's uphill, and that's uphill. It's always <laughs> so, the case, isn't it? Yeah, it was hard. Um, and so I had that in my legs, and then um, it was an easy flight back to the U.S., and I've gotten a little bit of good sleep, not quite enough, but mm -hmm. um, I felt good on Saturday. I mean, considering the travel and such, I liked the course. Um, it was heavy, and there was less climbing here than I feel like there was at Koppenberg, so... Um, I liked it, and I think it, it worked well. The thing is, with a course like this, there's not a lot of tactics. If you can go faster, you will. Um, so kind of take some of the race tactics out of it. Um, you just mostly pedal. So that's unfortunate, but the course was good otherwise. So I want to mostly talk about your European exploits here, but mm -hmm. I do have to ask before we get into that, what's your take on this U.S. Cup CX series? Is this, does this look like the next big thing after we, you know, we had the U.S. Grand Prix for many years, and then it went away, and then we mm -hmm. had this sort of in between few years where there wasn't a real central focus for the top pros in the U.S. Yeah, I think it's good. I mean, we need a series in the U.S. Um, the big issue is, you know, money and then having the right sponsors. 
and the staff to actually put a series together and go around the country and put a bunch of races on. So I think collecting um, a handful of really good races in the U.S., making it a series, having Scott Tedrio come in with Showwear's money to help sponsor it, you know, that's, that's huge. Um, so I think it's a really good start. I definitely know there's room to grow with it. I know Ryan is, is trying to grow it and make it, he's going to make it better in every year. As a bike racer, former bike racer, you've got that work ethic and that desire to always be better and improve from season to season. So I think it'll get better. Um, it definitely helps having racers have a focus for the year and know what races where all the fast races racers are going to be. And so they can all compete against each other. Um, and so I think that that helped a bunch. So it's in a good spot. I feel like it needs to grow some more. Um, and also maybe stray a little bit away from the East Coast. Yeah, it's easy to have everything kind of close together, but I feel like it'd be easier to have, or better to have more than just East Coast races included in a, a small series. Gotcha. Well, and hopefully we'll see you out of more of those races in the in the coming seasons. Yeah. But for the time being, mm -hmm. you are based in Europe yep. for this season. And it, it really surprises me that this is actually the first time you've <laughs> taken this approach to your cyclocross season. Yeah, it has. And a lot of it is because I want to support U.S. cross racing. My sponsors are U.S. based, really, usually. Um, and my health issues over the years, my leg pains over the years, I've struggled flying back and forth and being, being able to do it all well. Now I've, I've figured out a bunch of stuff. I don't have to worry about my leg pains anymore. So a lot of it is uh, the timing hasn't been right, and now the timing's right. And with Trek, um, live streaming all the, the DVV races, that helps a ton. And then also there's a lot more media coverage for the women in Europe. Um, pretty much all the women's races are on TV now. So you can see them. People in the U.S. can watch me race. Um, the racing's been exciting and, I think, dynamic. Um, a different podium every race weekend. So it's, it's nice to see. And I think the more um, coverage we get and the more um, kind of spectators we bring, to the women's side of the sport, um, it's just better for all of us. So I'm excited to be part of that too. So what does it take from a logistical standpoint to set up your home base in Europe for an entire season of cyclocross? It must be daunting. <laughs> Actually, for me, I've been really lucky and, and fortunate in the fact that I've got a Belgian family that um, my husband Mark and I, we've worked with them and stayed with them since 2007 and every year since then and so they've been a huge support for us um, helping us at all the races um, having a place to stay um, pretty much a second home for us it's and so for us it's a home base um, in Belgium and it's just north of Antwerp so it's a really good location for training and for getting to the races so that helps a ton and then um, with Trek and um, Knight for sponsorship I have bikes and wheels in US as well as Europe which cuts down on the flying back bikes back and forth so that helps a bunch too so a lot of it is you know I need the support I can't do this alone there's a lot of people coming in to help me um, my husband helps me a ton my Belgian family helps me a ton I got Trek helping and then I've got uh, USA Cycling um, letting us use their van so it takes a village and I feel like it's not just me it's a lot of support making it happen and I couldn't do it without them have you reached a point over there now where if you're out training, the locals will recognize you from, from racing and that sort of thing? Um, sometimes, but I mean, it helps wearing a U.S. jersey too. Right, yeah, it sticks out a little. <laughs> yeah, it it's not sticks exactly... out a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's slowly starting to be where if I, like going to the airport, I say, you know, I'm here for racing cyclocross, I give my name, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, I see you on TV. So it is, it is helping and women are definitely getting a lot more recognition and acknowledgement and I think that's just from the TV coverage. 
I w uh, yeah, that's something I actually was hoping we, we could talk about a little as mm -hmm. well is, so you've, okay, so 13 national championships mm -hmm. in a row, you've been at it for a long time. <laughs> Tell me about how you perceive the differences between where cyclocross for women is at today versus where it was back when you were very, the very first times you went over there. Um, it's changed a lot. Um, most of it is, it's just become more professional. Year after year, it's slightly progressing more. We're getting more equality. We're getting more prize money. We're getting more attention. Um, we're getting more TV coverage. So it's a slow process. We definitely have room to continue to develop the sport and to bring more women on. So women aren't, you know, working full-time job and trying to race their bike. Um, need to get to the point where you know, women can actually make this as a profession and it's sustainable and um, you can actually make money from year to year to year. Um, so it's definitely getting there. Like when I first started, I was coaching full time and every, paying for everything myself and having a little bit of sponsorship, but it's definitely changed a lot um, just over the years. And I think it's good. We just need to keep progressing forward. Is there a specific thing that you look at that could change, which would accelerate that progression? Um, sponsorship dollars. <laughs> There's more always money. that. Yeah, always. more money. More money, more uh, Most of it is, if you have more money, you can support more women. If women have more time to train and they're not working full time, um, it just makes the racing more competitive. There's 20 of us at the front going for the win instead of a handful of us or 10 of us who actually can train full time and not have to work full time. So. It's, it's different, like the men's group, most of them, that's all they do is race their butt and train and rest. Um, so for the women, they're trying, we're trying to do all of it and uh, it's a lot of work. So I feel like if there's more sponsorship dollars, more women who actually can make enough money to pay bills and have a salary and actually you know, make a living at this, it would just help increase um, the competitiveness of the racing and just make it more exciting. With the European women, what, what is their sort of mindset in terms of that equality? Because mm -hmm. when I think of um, women's sport in the U.S., mm -hmm. a lot of it comes down to Title IX, yep. which is, you know, of course, yep. the, the collegiate law that ensures there's equality. And mm -hmm. to me, that's very ingrained in the American mm -hmm. culture of sport. Mm -hmm. And so I'm curious if, if the Belgian women who, who you know, you're racing against, or any of the European mm -hmm. women, do they have that same sort of um, kind of drive or impulse or is it a different state of mind when it comes to that equality question? It's still a different state of mind. Um, it's definitely improving, especially with, you know, Trek paying equal prize money for the World Cup. That was huge because they're like, oh, you know, we sh maybe we should be getting paid equal. We're doing the same job. Like, yeah. why aren't we? So it is, it kind of brings more attention to it. It's all, it's kind of just different culture because the Americans are always, I think, we're encouraged to like push the boundaries and to make changes and to like just kind of test the waters and, and push if we want something changed let's let's go change it mm -hmm. whereas i think um european is still kind of an old culture where they want to do things more slowly and kind of you know look at all like look at every all, all the resources and think well, i don't know maybe let's wait and see how this works out before we make any changes i mean look how long it took them to ride 29 or wheels <laughs> and then disc brakes and yeah. it's like you know, we're always two or three years ahead of where Europe's like, okay, I think I think we can really ride 29er wheels now. I think it's okay. So it's just a different mentality where Americans are just like, let's do it, let's do it now. Where Europeans are more, let's just kind of wait and test the waters and then see if we should make changes. Good old so, fashioned American ingenuity, right? I know, right? we just be like, let's get it done. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, somehow we, we can't yeah. <laughs> seem to win these races over there. Well, well you can. <laughs> it's different, I, don't know. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> The Belgians are riding their bike from when they're two years old yeah, and they got course. to ride their bike to school and they've got 
they're racing cross at an early age and it's encouraged to race their bike. Whereas our American kids are playing soccer and football and basketball and baseball and you're not getting to cycling until you're in college or post-college. And at that point, you're not learning the skills. Um, Matthew Vanderpoel, I mean, he's been riding in Stan's prize since he could ride his bike. And he's got he's pretty really good, good jeans to start with, he I'd does, say. He does, <laughs> but he's also really good in the sand. Oh, yeah. Like, it's amazing to watch him ride the sand, and yeah. that is pure skill. Right. Um, and that's skill that you've learned from years and years of riding your bike in the sand. So being based in Europe, I'd mm-hmm. imagine you have an opportunity now to do some races that perhaps you hadn't done in the past. Yep. Uh, what, what's on your list in terms of the races that you've always dreamed of doing over there that now it's, it's going to mm-hmm. be on your calendar since you're based over there? Um, well, Zonhoven and Kaufenberg, those are which like you, the big bus. Both bucket. of which you've just done, yes, yep. Mm-hmm. Which I just did. Um, I'll do just racing a full series in Belgium. It's kind of fun, especially the, the DVV, the way they have the GC like overall time yeah they do so there's like an intermediate sprint there's a sprint bonus on the second lap of every race um and it's 15 10 5 sprint bonus which is a time bonus um and so that just adds to your gc time um so i like that and then at the end of the season whoever's got that's the fastest gc time wins the series and this is the very first time i fully understand how that system (laughs) works so thank you thank you for clarifying i should know now well the funny thing is it's simple but yeah. unless you're in, if you're racing it or following it, like you may not know what the exact rules are. And I didn't even know when the sprint lap was until <laughs> Ronza, when Mark yelled at me, it's on the second lap. I'm like, okay, I'll go for the sprint. What's the second on lap. the second lap? Yeah, the sprint boat. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'll go for it. Um, so that's kind of fun too, because uh, in Coppenberg, I won at Ronza and Coppenberg, so I just got myself 30 seconds, free seconds. Yes. And, I've and got, you also won the race at Ronza as well. Yep, over, yep. Just so I have like just over a minute, maybe a minute and a half on Helen. I can't, it's between a minute, minute and a half GC on second place. And then third place is like three minutes down. Yeah. So the way these races are, Ronza and Koppenberg have the, usually have the biggest gaps of all the series races because it's got the most climbing. So, uh-huh. and usually the harder courses and you have the biggest time gaps. So it's a good, good starting point for me. Pretty unusual dynamic if you think mm-hmm. about it, because mm-hmm. ordinarily in a cross race, mm-hmm. if someone's winning, you know, you're not going to be just like drilling it. You, you're going to go fast, obviously. Yeah. You want to win, but but there isn't this impulse to just scoop up as many seconds you can. And it, that's, uh, I wonder who thought of that. Like, I don't know. I like different. it yeah. because you race the entire time. Because oh, even yeah. racing up the Koppenberg the last lap, yeah, Helen had a gap on me. I wasn't going to catch her by the finish, but I knew third place was coming. So, and I also want to keep the gap as small as possible. So I'm still going as hard as I can up the last climb just so I don't lose by 30 seconds. I lose by 15 seconds or 10 seconds, whatever it was. But it's like that I, I wouldn't have done had it not been a GC race. I would have been like, ah, oh, I'll get second. It doesn't matter if it's 20 seconds or 30 seconds. I'm second. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Very cool. Different change, yeah. Yeah. Maybe they should do that for the U.S. Cup CX. Uh, you know? Mix it up. It would not It would make it interesting. Keep Stephen Hyde honest. <laughs> it would. It would. And then I think it would change things up quite a bit. And then you wouldn't settle into third place because nobody's around you. you got to get as many. You want to save as much time as possible just in case you have a bad day. And then we would fly you over for each weekend to explain <laughs> how it works before the race so everyone's clear. <laughs> everyone's clear. This is how GC works. <laughs> Luckily, like, most of the women and the men race on the road and do stage races. So you tell them, like, GC time, we mm. get GC yep. time. <laughs> yep, that, that clicks. Yeah, That's, it does click. Like, I get words. GC time, yeah. <laughs> um, actually, getting back to a second here for the races in Louisville, mm-hmm. a number of young young riders yeah. in the in the uh, UCI Elite race yesterday, of course, some of them racing the uh, Women's Youth Pan American Championships yep. today. Yep. But um, tell me what you think of these up-and-coming young riders 
here that we've been seeing both in the women's race and perhaps the men's race as yeah. well. I think it's awesome. Like, I feel like there was a bit of a gap between like my generation and the next generation coming up. So it's really good that we have so many strong women, especially on the front, because it, like, especially Katie and Ellen, I mean, they got, you know, podiums at the World Cups. It's, they're strong riders. They're young. They've got a ton of time in front of them, especially women. I mean, I'm, I'm 38 and I'm still riding fast and Katie's 25 and Ellen's 21. So we've got, they've got so many years in front of them. Ellen could literally be your daughter. She could if I got pregnant early. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of wild and yeah. she's right there racing yeah, with you. That's true. She could, which is funny because, I mean, it's cool. I, I like racing against the younger riders because it keeps me honest. They've got more energy than I do. Um, I might be smarter and wiser at some times, but not always. Katie's a pretty clever bike racer, so it's good. And then Emma, of course, too. I think Emma's still racing 23. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's going to be good racing and it's going to be good racing for the next 10 years, which is going to be exciting. And we'll have more girls coming up. And then for the men's side, same thing. Um, Spencer Pendroff, he's had a great season this year. Mm -hmm. So we need to see... Great first name, too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a perfect first name. It's yeah. like Katie Antonio. Her first name is pretty great, too. Yeah. Different spelling, though. <laughs> different spelling. Yeah, because her name's Caitlin. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, a little bit different. Um, but yeah, it's it's good to see so many young riders coming up because we need that for the cross season and the, or cross series and just for the U.S. Um, we need more more racers. You can go over to Europe and actually perform. Mm -hmm. Do Katie and Ellen or any of the others mm -hmm. ever reach out to you for advice or mentorship or anything like that? Um, well, I used to coach Katie okay. for a long time. I think I coached her from when she was 16 till maybe 22, 23. Like to the point where she's now my competition mm. and honestly it's just it's you can't coach your competition <laughs> and then she also needed to spread her wings and experience different coaches too because it's good to have different perspectives yeah um so yeah and i still help her every once in a while she'll reach out to me if she's got like a technical question or just so, if she's if she's thinking about something she'll reach out to me and be like what do you think what how do you feel about this and it, it helps i'll give her advice but yeah if anybody reaches out to me i give whatever advice i welcome the questions and I try to help when I can but I also don't want to you know step on people's feet and push my thoughts or beliefs or whatever because I feel like you need to experience it and figure out what works and what doesn't for yourself so I'll give advice when I'm asked but um, I don't I won't tell somebody what to do <laughs> can you can you think of any sort of any any mistake or, or regret perhaps from your early years as a pro cyclist that you'd look mm -hmm. back on and try and advise them to be to be aware of or, or, or to avoid? Um, I think the biggest thing for me is to get enough rest. A lot of, I think, younger riders and new riders really push, 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 which is good. You need to push yourself at certain times, but you also have to have a balance. And I feel like some riders jump in, like just do too much too soon and just full on focus on this. All I'm going to do is eat, sleep, bike race, and that's it and not have anything else in your life where I feel like you need that balance. If you want to have longevity in the sport and you want to be good for a long time, you need to let yourself go a little bit. You need to go hang out with friends. You need to have a glass of wine. You need to have a beer after race. You need to like relax. Yes, focus on the nutrition, focus on the training, but don't focus on it 12 months of the year. Make sure you give your time, your body time to rest, recover, and then, you know, be good to yourself and do everything right 90% of the time, but take that 10% to be a normal person. Um, and then you won't be, you won't burn out too soon. You'll have balance. Maybe you're still in school. Maybe you're working a part-time job, but you're keeping yourself 
pretty much relatively balanced so you just don't burn out and hate your bike. Don't want to hate your bike. Don't want to hate your bike. That's always... Because bike racing is hard. You lose a lot more races than you win. And if you don't enjoy doing it, you're not going to keep doing it. That's exactly true. Yeah. So uh, I'd imagine mm -hmm. based, being based over in Europe, mm -hmm. you don't have your dog Pixie with you, right? I don't. I miss her. She's, uh, she's a Rottweiler, right? Probably. She's a three-legged Rottweiler. She's about 10 now. We got her when she was two. She's a rescue. She's a great dog. She's a big sweetheart. A little barky because she gets a little anxious and protective, but uh, she's awesome, and I miss her. I miss having a dog in general. Um, it's weird when you're traveling, and a lot of the host housing we stay when we're traveling usually have the dogs too, so it's good to yeah. see other dogs. But rentals. I do, yeah, <laughs> rentals exactly, and I want to give them just as much love. So I do miss her. Um, our family, the the fathers, he's got a lot of um, allergies, and so uh, he's okay. allergic to dogs, no dogs and cats. So gotcha. there's no animals in the house. Which is unfortunate, because he actually would love hunting dogs, but they can't have dogs. Ah. Yeah, so I miss her, but she's in good hands when we're gone. It seems like a number of the uh, European racers have dogs that often show up at the races. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, I, I think Wout Van Aert has a very cute little guy, and mm -hmm. it seems like they're all kind of little dogs. Y Europe has little dogs. Yeah. They're rarely you see big dogs. Like, if you do, you have, like, I think German Shepherds. Actually, sometimes you see Rottweilers. Um, and then there's, like, a there's another Belgian... German Shepherd looking breed. I can't mm. remember what it's called, but there are a few big dogs, but you don't see them as frequently as little. And it's probably because they've got less green open space yeah, to go walk your dog. That's true, that's so it true. depends on where you live too. Where I live in, in Belgium, we've got a lot of green space. So there's actually bigger dogs that are getting walked and are out playing. So so do you have a favorite of the of the professional cross dogs that, that, that are at the big races over there? My dog. Oh, oh yeah, um, yeah. No, I mean like yeah. you know. Um, not over there because I rarely see dogs over there. I think I'm so focused. Yeah, and you're racing, the races are yeah. different. Yeah, you're yeah. racing. You're kind of doing your thing, and with the way the parking is, I'm not usually parked around the campers. Uh, yeah. If I am, it's slightly all, like off to the side or whatever. So I don't have a favorite dog. I wish I did. Okay. Well, <laughs> we'll 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 look forward to. Yeah. Hopefully, we'll get some nice photos of Pixie when you when you get to visit her next. Yeah, she's with us this weekend, but oh, she's no way. at home. Yeah, okay. yeah. She we can't bring her to the venue because yeah. she barks at bikes. She doesn't like bikes. And we <laughs> Go tried. Figure. Yeah, I know. Go we figure. tried working with her, but she of just she's relentless. Of she's like, I am gonna follow these bikes. I'm gonna bark at these bikes. Yeah. And I'm gonna irritate you guys all day. So uh, some, we've given up. <laughs> some things just you can't train. Some things you can no. train a lot of things. Though. A lot of things, and we've tried, but we're just like, <laughs> you know what? We're just gonna keep away from bike races. <laughs> well. Thank you so much for your time, Katie. Well, thank you. It's been good. And uh, best of luck for the rest of the season. Great. Thank you.